Here at Laurel Heights, we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. You've heard me say that many times. So let's open the pages of Scripture now to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Church of Christ in Rome. Near the end of the letter, he said to them, The churches of Christ greet you. Paul wrote to them about the gospel of Christ, making sure they understood what the gospel of Christ means and how it should be obeyed. It is relevant today because there is sin today, and the gospel announces God's remedy. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I say it this way, there is a problem and God is given a solution, and that's what Romans is about. Near the end of the Roman letter, Paul offers simple direction to Christians, but without leaving the primary themes of the letter. I'm going to read now from Romans 15, verses 1 through 13. He said, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is written, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's Romans 15, 1 through 13. This passage contains very good direction for Christians today, and these directions ought to be important to us all the time. I want you to consider these phrases from that passage we've read. There's the phrase, not to please ourselves. And then below that, there's another phrase that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Then it says, receive one another or welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. In verse 2, one translation says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. These simple instructions need to have a prominent place in my thinking, in your thinking, and form an imprint that is visible in our relationship with God and our relationships with each other. What we see in Christ, his life and teaching should be visible in us from a heart of devotion to him. But as I said a moment ago, in this section marked by a very simple instruction to Christians, Paul doesn't leave his primary themes. And that's what I would like for us to discover together. And in this passage, there are three related elements. Studied together, we can get a better grasp of what is involved in being a Christian. Here are those three elements in this passage. A knowledge of yesterday, faith for today, and hope for tomorrow. It is enlightening to me how the Word of God informs us about yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and our connection to yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It turns out these three things reflect exactly what we need in response to the gospel of Christ. So first, a knowledge of yesterday. Verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. You may hear people express their reluctance to read the Bible, their disappointment, their frustration. Someone may say, I just can't get into Bible reading. I can't understand it. There seems to be a fog surrounding the book that I cannot penetrate. It's a long book, lots of fine print, very little visual interest. Yes, many people who need to know what the Bible says just give up. They never read it. There are many reasons for this. One reason is not starting at the right place not reading through the Bible in good sequence and order. People just open the Bible up sometimes at a random place and read a few verses, and they don't get it. Of course, they don't get it, and they close the book. Or someone may hear something about the fascination that's in the book of Revelation, and so they start reading that and have no idea what that's about. Well, here's a plan. Go all the way back to what Paul refers to as the former days. Because Paul says here what was written about the former days and what was written in the former days gives us endurance, encouragement, and hope. So let's talk through that. The first book in the Bible is Genesis. And the first chapter in Genesis 1, start there. Those words you read in Genesis 1 may turn out to be the most important words you've ever encountered in reading any history because you discover who you are. You read about the origin of the human race and how God made the universe. You are learning history, and you are starting at the right place, the beginning. 
Now, do this. Keep reading. So soon you will find out what the problem is in the human race. It is sin. When people choose to live by their will instead of God's, that's the problem. Now, keep reading. In the events surrounding Noah and the flood, you learn how God feels about man's sin, and you learn how important it is to follow his instruction. Keep reading about Abraham and how God built a nation from his family and gave that nation a law and a land. Eventually, from that nation, whose history is documented in the Old Testament, a Savior came, and you can discover who he is and what he did and how he died in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Keep reading. In the book of Acts, you will understand what sinners must do to be saved. Keep reading. In the epistles, you learn how to be a Christian. A knowledge of yesterday is indispensable if we want to know the truth about our purpose here. In the New King James, verse 4 reads, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And this is all in the context of Romans 15, where Paul cites so much prophecy, right in this paragraph. So, next, faith for today. Verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We need something to believe and someone to believe in. We are not sufficient to find our way out of sin without God's help. We are not capable of navigating the temptations and trials of life on earth without knowing the Creator. We cannot invent a plan of redemption We cannot remit our own sins. And I think we cannot really know how best to relate to people without the activity of faith available to us from God in His Word. We need something to believe in. We need someone to believe in. All of Paul's arguments in Romans come to this place in chapter 15, verse 13 expressed as his prayer for those who would be reading Romans. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing. The word believing concerns our listening to God with trust, our acceptance of everything God has said in his word, our belief in his son coupled with the obedience that faith prompts. We need something to believe in. We need someone to believe. Look no further than God, His Word, His Son. And this word believing here in Romans 15, 13 is really a way of life. It begins when one's belief in Christ begins. That brings one to the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. This way of life continues after baptism as the Christian continues to read and learn God's Word and put that truth into every aspect of daily life. Believing is a way of life. And observe, believing is accompanied by and productive of joy and peace. Those two words ought to immediately 
capture our attention and enrich our interest in all this in the Word of God. To take into every day this joy and peace. This is faith for today. Genuine faith produces joy and peace as that faith is acted on, and it is within your reach. Take the time to read the letter God sent you. You've got a text message from God in the Bible. The highest desires and greatest joys can be found by the grace of God when you decide you will respond, you will receive what he offers in Christ. This is knowledge of yesterday, faith for today, and then third, I want to talk about hope for tomorrow. Verse 13 again, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. One of the good results of reading the Bible is we're able to feel very deeply the seriousness of sin. We see what it means to disobey God, and that puts us in position to look at ourselves and evaluate our condition, to honestly face our sin. But something else can happen as we read the Bible and as we read obituaries in the newspaper. We are made to face the reality of death. Somewhere in your mind, though you may not pull up this information very often, you know you will die. You may not think of that while strolling through the mall or listening to your favorite music or browsing social media. We find various ways to crowd out the nagging thought of death. We become involved in frenzied activities, and it may be we are living in denial of the truth about the brevity of life, but the reality of death needs our attention. Now, reality of sin, reality of death. What does God offer? What God offers through the gospel of Christ is the solid promise that after you die, there can be something far better than this world could ever offer. You see, the gospel not only calls upon us to look back in time and look at ourselves in good prospect, the gospel makes promises of the greatest kind of existence after death. And that's what Paul refers to here. Look at verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, do you abound in hope? Can you say about your present view of the future and the prospect of your death that you abound in hope? God wants you to face death with hope. He gave his son so that you might respond in obedience and have that hope. A good preacher I know, D. Bowman, said this very well. Hope is that which reaches off into the future and attaches itself to what we desire and expect to receive. Now let's understand the word hope is not just a glorified guess. In the Bible, hope is not speculative, it is objective. It's grounded in the highest kind of assurance, the word of the Creator. And we latch on to that and become recipients of the gift of salvation by the activity of our faith in Christ. So whoever you are, 
whatever your condition before God is. It can be argued based on Scripture. You need these three things. A good knowledge of yesterday, an active faith for today, and hope for tomorrow. Unending blessings can be your possession if you will get focused on God. Consider Him to be the reason for your life. Come to Christ and live in Him. And so I leave you with this from Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening.